Well, good morning, Kavanaugh Church. This is incredible. Never in my wildest imagination or dreams would I have thought this to be possible, but here we are. Uh, you're at home in your living room or somewhere in your house, and I'm here in an empty church building. I, I say it's empty. There are nine people in here, uh, and the uh, staff is on the front row, and I guess if anybody needs this, they do. So uh, <laughs> I want to be preaching to them, but I'm also going to be preaching to you guys. Um, it, it, you know, it, it is an unbelievable time we're in. Uh, we're in uncharted waters. Ne never, never in our wildest dreams would we have ever thought this would be happening in our world or even right here in Fort Smith, America with our first confirmed case of the coronavirus. And, it, and if anything is happening globally, uh, it is our world is in panic. We are in shock, we are in panic. And people are worrying like never before. And so I'm going to address that this morning from the Word of God. Uh, we're going to kind of go back to our, our trust series. Because really what this comes down to today is a matter of trust. And I want to speak directly to you from Matthew chapter 6 on how we can win the victory over worry. And so let me read to you Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse number 25. I'm going to read out of the old King James Version. I'll tell you why in a moment. But here's what Jesus said. Matthew 6 verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink or what ye shall put on your body. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this tremendous passage of scripture that teaches us Three times we should not worry. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would help give us the victory over worry today. I pray, dear Lord, that as I try to speak on the outside, you would speak on the inside of every heart that is listening. And I pray, dear God, that great things would be done through our church and in the kingdom of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the greatest weapons that Satan has and uses against you and I as Christians is that of guilt and anxiety. Christians who spend more time in worry than they do in prayer. Christians who spend more time in worry than they do in reading their Bibles. 
Christians who spend more time in worry than they do in simple praise to God. And, and I, I want you to just stop right now and ask yourself, is, am I guilty of this? I mean, this past week, how much time have I spent worrying about coronavirus and all the implications of it instead of spending time in prayer and Bible study and in praising God? You know, we all do it. We all do it at times. Sometimes like this, we do it more than at other times, but we're a bunch of worry warts. <laughs> you name it, and we can worry about it. Yet, when a believer worries, that believer is showing that they are not trusting God. We can very easily commit sin when we worry because we're not trusting. And it's almost impossible for us to receive answers to prayer when we worry because we're not Trusting. Somebody put it this way. If you're worrying, you're not trusting. But if you're trusting, then you're not worrying. Jesus left a, a very clear uh, outline for us to follow in this passage out of the King James Version. And that's why I'm reading out of King James. It's found in the repetition of a phrase, therefore, take no thought. And that phrase is found three times in these verses. Verse 25, verse 31 and in verse 34. Now, when I was a kid growing up at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas, my Aunt Pat Cates was my Bible study teacher. She taught us all these little tricks of, of Bible study and how to read your Bible and study your Bible. And I'll never forget Aunt Pat saying to us one day, kids, when you come across that word, therefore, in the Bible, don't go on until you know what it is there for, right? And if that's true for one instance of the word, it is much true when the word is repeated as it is in this passage three times. The word therefore means because or because of this. And then the phrase take no thought means don't worry. Right? If you're reading it out of a different translation, it's probably the word worry. Don't worry. Literally, the Greek word means don't split yourself up on the inside over situations that might be occurring on the outside. Don't have a divided mind. So three times in this passage, Jesus told us for one reason or another, we should not worry. So how can we win the victory over worry during a pandemic like this? Number one, it's found in verse number 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Because of this, don't worry. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. So point number one in winning the victory over worry is simply this. We need to major on what's important. What Jesus is saying in verse 25 is, you know what? You're spending all of your time worrying about these small trivial matters like what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. You need to realize that I'm your Heavenly Father, and I'm going to take care of all these things. You know, if, if you step back and analyze the things that you worry about under normal conditions, these are the three things, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, just simple, trivial matters. And, and we're spending all of our time worrying about these things. And if we're not worrying about those things, we spend all of our energy worrying about things we can't control. Like this coronavirus. Dude, let me tell you, it's here. You can't stop it. 
You can't control it. So all the worry in the world is not going to change that. So we spend all of our time and energy worrying about things that are either small or trivial or things that we can't control. And it leaves us no time nor energy to even consider what really is important. And so let me ask you directly, what is the most important thing in your life? What should you be concentrating your time and energy on? Well, Jesus tells us what should be the most important thing in verse number 33. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things in reference back to verse 25, like what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. You seek God first in his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So how can we win the victory over worry? It's by knowing what's important in life and by concentrating our energies on that and by not allowing Satan to make us concentrate on situations that are secondary and even passing. In other words, we need to make the main thing the main thing. We need to put God first in our life and in our thinking. You know, as I thought about this, this is a principle that we can apply to human relationships as well. You and I both know that, you know, sometimes we allow our relationships with our friends and our family and our loved ones to be broken or fractured over or injured over, over situations that really aren't as important as what we think they are. I can remember when I was 17 years old, I was listening to a, a black preacher preach a sermon, and I remember this like it was yesterday. He said, when you need to solve problems in the church or in everyday life, he said, the big thing is don't panic. He said, because things are not nearly as bad as what you think they are. Said, for example, this past week, one of my deacons came to me, and he was he was all distraught. He he was crying and slobbering everywhere, and, and I knew something was wrong with him. So I said, Deacon, what's the matter with you? And he said, Oh, oh, Pastor, you, you know that teenage boy of mine? He, he's such a rebel. This past week, my teenage boy and I got into it again, and it turned into a shoving match, and and he started yelling, and I yelled back at him, and then he said to me, Daddy, go to hell. Pastor, I just, I just don't know what to do. The old black pastor put his arm around his deacon and said, Brother Deacon, don't, don't let it bother you. Because you ain't got to go. <laughs> and, and I hope you're laughing at that at home because he, he, you don't have to go. He, he was blowing things completely out of proportion. We don't see very well now. In retrospect, we see much better. Yeah. Things that happen to us today we can evaluate in a much greater way tomorrow. That's right. That's right. Several years ago, I got a, a phone call on a Monday. It was a churchman, and uh, I, I knew something was wrong at the very beginning of the conversation. I started talking to this guy, and he said, I, 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 I just got to come talk to you, preacher. He said, something happened at church yesterday that really upset me. And I can just tell by the tone of his voice that this guy was really distraught. I thought he was mad about something that occurred in church on Sunday. And, and so I said, well, can you want to talk to me about it on the phone? He said, oh, no. Can't talk about this on the phone. I, I, need, I need to see you eyeball to eyeball talk to you about this. I said, okay, can you come in right now? He said, no, got to work today and tomorrow. I can't come in until Wednesday. 
<laughs> okay, so we set this time. Can I, guys, can I tell you from, from Monday until Wednesday, guess what I did? And I worried about this. I'm, I'm one of those kind of people that I don't like confrontations. I certainly don't like people to be upset. I knew he was upset about something that happened at church. And I, I, I thought of all the things it could possibly be and, and how many people it could affect and all the problems that could arise from this. I didn't sleep very much Monday night or Tuesday night. I was sweating bullets on Wednesday when he came into the office. I'm thinking, what in the world could he be so upset about? And so he sat down in the chair opposite my desk and he just started bawling. I mean, he, just, he was just crying like a baby. And I said, what happened? What is so wrong? He said, it was that sermon you preached Sunday. He said, I realized that I was lost. I've never been saved before. I've been in church all my life, but I've never invited Jesus into my heart and I need to be saved. And so we just knelt down there on the floor and he asked Jesus into his heart. You know, I, I can look back on that now and I can laugh about it, you know, because I, I was acting crazy Monday, Tuesday and half of Wednesday worrying about all the possible things that could be wrong. There was nothing wrong at all. This man wanted Jesus into his in his life. And so, you know what? We can see much better tomorrow than we can see today. I was talking to a, a cowboy shooting friend of mine yesterday from Conway, Arkansas. He grew up in church. His daddy was a Baptist preacher. He goes to a Baptist church in Conway. And we were talking about the crazy times we're living in. And he said, you know, you know, preacher, he actually called me Holy Smug. He said, you know, Holy Smug, he said, uh, I'm old fashioned. He said, I, I don't know how I'm going to adjust to this tomorrow. Because like every other church, we're just going to be online. He said, I never had like a bunch of preachers online. He says, I like to be in the building. And, and guys, I know you like to be here as well. And, and we're going to address that later on in, in another message. But you know what? This is the way it is right now. And we're going to have to do the best we can the way it is. Anyway, he said to me, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to do. He said, I, I don't know what's going to happen in our world, what's going to happen in Arkansas. But he said, you know what? I, I've kind of got the thinking that, that here in a couple of years, we're going to look back on all this and we're going to laugh. Mm -hmm. Now, guys, in no way am I making light of the situation we're in. This is a serious situation. People are losing their lives. We need to take it serious. Yeah. We need to do everything we can to prevent this from spreading. And we need to pray for a cure. But you know what? We're so wrapped up in it right now. This too shall pass. And we need to be majoring on what really is important today. Miguel Unomuno, a famous Spanish philosopher, once said, I'm not going to weep today about something I'm going to laugh about tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So God give us the wisdom to major on what's really important today. And that is seeking God and putting God first place in our life. So number two, how can we win the victory over worry? We need to realize that God is in control and God also has the ability to take care of us. Look at Matthew chapter six, verse 31 and 32. Jesus says, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need 
of all of these things. So God is both willing and able to take care of us if we just allow him to. I got a good preacher friend in another state and he keeps saying online and he's told me this on the phone. He said, well, God's got this. And you know what? I believe that God has got this. This pandemic has not taken God by surprise. He knew it was coming. He is in control of it. And guess what? As believers, God is going to take care of us as well. Why? Because we have a family relationship with God. He's our father. Now, I want you to think about this. Before you became a Christian, the only relationship you had with God is he was your creator. He made you. He, he spoke you into existence out of nothing. He, he made you of the dust of the earth. Everyone who is outside of Jesus Christ has never been born again. The only relationship they have with God is that God created them. You know what? The moment you invite Jesus into your heart, the moment you're born again, that moment your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that relationship with the Creator changes. And now all of a sudden, He is Father. Yeah. He's your Heavenly Father. That's right. Think about that. What are the responsibilities of a father? Well, a father is to provide for his children, to protect his children, to guide his children, to fellowship with his children, to discipline his children. And God will perform all of those functions in your life and in my life if only we allow him to do so. Now, here's a cool thing about this passage. In, in verses 26 through 30, Jesus uses four illustrations from nature to show us how God, the Heavenly Father, takes care of us. And I love looking at this. The first illustration is found in verse 26. It's from the science field of zoology. Here's what he says in Matthew 6, 26. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Okay, remember, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's outside. The people are outside. And he's teaching them these, these principles about life. And I don't know, he just points to a bird flying in the air. And he says, consider that bird. That bird is, is not like a person who worries about where their next meal is coming from. That bird doesn't sow. It doesn't reap. It doesn't gather into barns. Zoologists tell us that a little sparrow is so active flying and hopping around that it must eat constantly to maintain its energy level. Mm -hmm. And Jesus lets us in on the secret here. That little bird is not worrying about where its next meal is coming from. I don't know, but putting this together in, in, in my simple thinking, I, I, I got to believe that God has instinctively put inside of that sparrow's thinking that, you know what, there is a heavenly father. And my heavenly father is going to take care of me. I like what Jesus went on to say in another passage, just a couple of chapters over in, in Matthew chapter 10. Listen to what he says here. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, that is a penny, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Mm -hmm. So the Lord knew 
Back in 1970, when I shot that sparrow in my backyard with my BB gun, and it fell off the fence, God saw that sparrow fall. God knows the number of hairs you have on your head. And I'm looking at Johnny, looking at Ray, and I'm looking at Jason. No, let me just look at Johnny, because you got Yes. And Nathan. Yes. God knows the number of hairs that we have. I mean, this is incredible, the knowledge of God. If He's, he's trying to say this. Listen, guys, if I'm going to take care of birds, and if I know when birds fall to the ground, and I even know how much hair or lack of it you have on your head, don't you think I can take care of you? Yes, he can. Because he asked the question at the end. Are you not much better than they? Dude, you're God's greatest creation. You're the one that he sent his son Jesus to die for. And so if he's taking care of birds, let me tell you, he is going to take care of you. So don't worry. Trust. The second illustration he uses is found in verse 27. It, it's from the science field of physiology. Here's what he said. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit or 18 inches to his stature? Some translations uh, translate that or add years to his life. Whether we are talking about inches to your stature or years to your life, the, the point is the same. There are some things that are predetermined and set before you're even born, and all the worry in the world is not going to change those things. You know what? I, I, I know people, especially teenagers, Nathan, mm -hmm. they spend all of their energy and time wishing that they were somebody else or wishing that their hair was brown instead of red or they were 6'2 instead of 5'1 or wait, you know, they waved it well I think sometimes the weight has to do with us more than it does with you anyway, we won't get into that but you understand what I'm saying some things are just set and, and you, you can't change them mm -hmm. I've told this story before when, when I was a student at Hillsdale Randall now, had a roommate one year that uh, he was uh, he was somewhat short of stature um, but uh, he, he told everybody he was like five, five four. I think that's what he told everybody, five four. He really wasn't five four because one night while he was asleep, we measured him in the bed, <laughs> like five three. But he blamed everything on his. He, he couldn't play basketball because he was too short. He couldn't get a girlfriend because he was too short. You know, he, he didn't make good grades because he was too too short. Can I tell you, all the worry in the world was not going to change that guy from 5'3 to 6'2. Mm -hmm. Just not going to happen. You know, we're living in crazy times. Yeah. Man, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the near future for our church. I will say this church to reassure you, I know that God's got this. Yeah. Amen. And, and you know what my prayer is, and I want you to be praying the same thing, that God can turn this tragic time into a worldwide revival. Right. And that when we do get to come back into this building and have church, it's going to be filled to capacity. And, and we're not going to be able to wait until we get that new building because of all the people who are going to turn to Jesus Christ during this troublesome times. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we can't change it. I can't change this virus. I can't stop this virus. But I can pray to a God who controls it and who cares for me. 
The third illustration he uses is in verses 28 and 29. It's from the field of botany. And why take he thought for clothing or raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Ray, remember, he's, he's teaching outside, Sermon on the Mount. I, maybe he, he pointed over to a field where lilies were growing, and, and he used that as a living illustration. He says, God, look at that field. It's absolutely beautiful. And guess who made those lilies? Guess who clothed that field with those beautiful lilies? God did. And, and then he makes this comparison with Solomon. He said, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon, with all of his wealth, couldn't even buy a robe to put on his back. It's been estimated that Solomon was worth seven and one half billion dollars in the height of his reign. Yet with all of that cash, he couldn't even buy a robe to compare to the beauty of the lilies growing wild in the field. So if God can clothe the grass and the field with lilies, dude, he can take care of you. The fourth illustration he uses is the one I love. It's found in verse 30. It's from geology. He says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, yeah. O ye of little faith? In essence, what Jesus is saying is, here we are on this big, massive rock. And really, that's all earth is. It's one big, massive rock. And God said, let's dress this rock up. And so in the wintertime, depending on where you live, he can turn everything a beautiful white. In the springtime and summer, he, he transforms everything into this beautiful green. In the fall time, he turns everything into a golden brown. Friends, if, if God is concerned with the cosmetic aspects of a rock, <laughs> don't you think he cares for you? And I don't know what this verse does to you, but, but when I read the end of verse number 30, it just kind of reaches down and grabs my heart. Because I can see Jesus looking me square in the eye and saying, Oh ye, Will Harmon, of little faith. I've got this. Don't, don't worry. I'm in control. There's one more time that Jesus uses that phrase, therefore take no thought. And there's one more way we can win the victory over worry. Not only by majoring on what's important, not only by realizing that God is in control and will take care of us, but number three, it's by living one day at a time. You, you got to love verse 34. Verse 34. Verse 34. I'll read it from here. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is what? the evil thereof. We have enough strength for today. I want to reiterate that because that's what the verse is saying. You've got enough strength for today, physically, mentally, and spiritually. You have enough strength for today. And if we spend all of our time and energy worrying about what happened yesterday or worrying about what might happen tomorrow, guess what? We're not going to have enough strength and energy to live for today. So let's do two things. Number one, 
Let's put the past behind us. I mean, it's done. It's over with. You can't go back and change it. You say, well, preacher, I've, I've messed up. Okay, you've messed up. We all have. That's where God's forgiveness and cleansing comes in. And so you need to ask God to forgive you and cleanse you from your past mistakes. And he'll do that. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this morning, let's take care of our past so it doesn't haunt us and weigh us down. And then number two, let's, let's not worry about tomorrow. In fact, let me ask you this. Why would you worry about tomorrow? 95% of the things that you worry about never happen. And the 5% that does happen, dude, you're not going to change anyway. So let's trust God. Why would we trust God? Because I'm here today, God's got this. God's got this, and God has got you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would look deep into our hearts and show us, dear Lord, what needs to change in our life, how, how we need to trust you more, and in what areas of our life do we need to stop worrying and start trusting in. Dear Lord, I, I know that uh, this virus has all of us on edge. We're, we're worried about our health. We're worried about the health of our family members. We're worried about getting this virus and dying ourselves. We're, we're worried about the economic impact that it's going to make globally and, and right here where we live. We're, we're worried about our jobs and our future. Dear Lord, these are, these are real things that are consuming us. But dear Lord, I, I pray that they don't consume us. I pray that instead of worrying, we spend our time trusting you. We spend our time reading your word, praying to you, giving praise to you. And I pray, dear Lord, as a result of that, you would give us the peace that passes all understanding. Dear Lord, help us to follow the words of, of what Peter said. Cast all of your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. And dear Lord, right now I pray for our Kavanaugh Church family. Help us to make it during this difficult time. Help us, dear Lord, to stay plugged in with our church family and, and with those in our Bible study groups. Dear Lord, I pray that we would still be able to minister your grace and your love during these hard times. I lift up Brother Charlie to you. I lift up Ron Rogers to you. Bless Ron and Sandy as they're in Denver. And I pray that you bring healing to his body. Dear Lord, keep us safe and use us in your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Gavilon Church, thanks for watching. Uh, let me give you a few uh, reminders here, okay? So don't, don't turn me off right now. Don't get up and leave and go to the kitchen. Hang on just for a second. As a church family, we need to be praying like never before. Uh, we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for our own local needs. But we need to pray for people globally. And let's pray that, that uh, God would allow a cure for this horrible virus to be found. Second thing I want to remind you of is uh, to stay plugged in. Go to our church website. We, we have a lot of information there. Uh, and if you are needing help, if you can't get out of your house and you need someone to pick up groceries for you or pick up prescriptions for you, let us know. Either text it there on, online at our website or give our church office a call. Uh, we've got... A lot of people who have volunteered to help during this time of need. So please do that. 
Also, I'm going to ask you to remember your offerings, all right? Giving to the Lord. Uh, it would be at this point in this service where I would say, ushers, would you take your place and let's receive the tithe and offering. We can't do that because you're not here. But there are two ways that you can give. Uh, you can give online. So just go to KavanaughChurch.com. Go to that Give tab and then sign up for Easy Tithe. It's very easy to do. And you can give your tithe online. Uh, if you're old-fashioned and don't want to do that, just write out your check and put it in an envelope and mail it to the church office. But please don't forget to support your church. Uh, stay plugged in with us tonight at 6 o'clock uh, on Facebook page live for the Johnny. It has a song time and singing time and sermon time for you kids. Okay, so. Make sure you get on Facebook, get on your parents or grandparents' Facebook account, and uh, let's watch Brother Johnny tonight at 6 o'clock. And then Brother Nathan also is going to have a live feed tonight at 6 o'clock, and also on Wednesday night, uh, Blaze Group is going to be on Blaze Instagram Live at 6 o'clock tonight and then 7 o'clock. Now, one last thing. Let me say something about It's Our Turn campaign, because I've had a lot of people ask me what, what's going to happen with our campaign. Well, we're just pushing the pause button right now, okay? We're just going to pause it for the next couple of weeks, and then when we are able to physically come back into this room and have church as normal again, uh, we're going to push the play button, and we're just going to pick right back up on It's Our Turn. Now, that doesn't mean that at 1.30 you stop praying for It's Our Turn. We're still going to keep praying. I encourage you to keep doing the devotions on the 21 days of devotion, and, and be praying about what God would have you do during this time. One last thing. Don't you love it when I say that? One last thing. Now you can just turn me off, you know, if you want to. But one last thing. Guys, I want you to know that we love you. We love you. This is killing me, not having you guys up here. I love church, love having church, love being in fellowship with you guys. You know what? This is just the times we're living in. We're going to make the most of it. I love you. I'm praying for you. And this week, what I'm going to be doing is going through our church directory, and I'm going to be praying for every single one of you. If you have a special need or a special request, let me know about it as I pray for you this week. God loves you. I love you. Have a great day. Can't wait to see you soon. You're dismissed. <laughs>